thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. Yeah. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. We're so glad to welcome you today to Jesus the Healer. Thank you for joining us. Come on in. We're going to have us a good time. We're going to be continuing along the line of teaching with a series that we've been on for several weeks now on victory over grief and sorrow. As I said, the good thing is it's about victory. <laughs> it's about victory. And our victory over grief and sorrow, we have to be skillful with that. Amen. At different times in the broadcast, I've referred to my husband's homegoing, and that was unexpected for our family, of course. And uh, how did we walk through it? What did we do toward our thought life? And how did we respond to it? Because it matters how we respond. I said it matters how we respond. You know, I, what the devil brings isn't always the issue. It's how we respond. How we respond. That's the issue. And uh, so we're, we're privileged to share what we know and uh, what God has taught us about that because we want to be a help to someone else who may be facing things because I don't care who you are. You're going to face the emergencies of life. You're going to face crisis and tragedy and difficulties. Having faith doesn't mean you're dismissed from these. Having faith means you overcome them. Amen. Uh, we've been taking as our golden text, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse four that says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. So uh, we don't have them anymore. He took them. That doesn't mean when I say that there's no grief or sorrow, I'm, I'm not saying that it's wrong for you to cry, that you won't ever weep over a situation, but we, don't not, we do not have to get in the flow of grief and sorrow. We don't have to get entrenched in a wrong direction in our life because those things steal from us. They don't add to us to get in the wrong flow and to be troubled by an event. Amen. Um, I want us to see that um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, and I'm going to read to you that passage. It says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Yeah. Notice, so he says in that verse, there's two sorrows, godly sorrow and the sorrow of the world. Yeah. Only two kinds of sorrow spoken of. So godly sorrow benefits us. Yeah. You want to know why? It leads us to repentance. Yeah. Yeah that we don't keep making the wrong mistakes. We don't keep doing the wrong thing over and over. That there is a sorrow that comes because if we've displeased the Father, we've gone against the Word. 
and uh, we go, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to judge myself. Yeah. Yes. I repent of doing that. I'm not going to keep doing that. Haven't you ever heard it when your own spirit, ah, I violated my own heart. I went against my spirit. And there is a godly sorrow with that. But it's not a sorrow that pushes you down. It's a sorrow that lifts you up. Then worldly sorrow, the Bible says that it works death. Now we're redeemed from that. I said, we're redeemed from that. There is a spirit of grief and sorrow that's attached to that, that worldly sorrow. And it shouldn't find a place in the life of the believer because we're in the world. We're not of it. Amen. And it, that worldly sorrow, look at this. It works death. Uh, it doesn't work life. It's not a representative of God. It works death. So no person's life ever became better as a result of flowing with worldly sorrow. Uh, grief never elevated anyone's life. Depression never lifted anyone up. It always is a pushing down. And all of these are worldly sorrow at work. Godly sorrow is the only sorrow that a Christian is to have any experience with. If we miss God, we commit sin. Like I said, we miss the mark. Godly sorrow brings us to a place where we say, I, mm, I'm not going to do that again. I make a change. Repentance doesn't mean just saying, I'm sorry, God. It means we change it and don't do it again. Amen. Because we know, according to 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, what happened? He, what happens? He's faithful and just to what? Forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is it that cleanses us? The blood of Jesus. Amen. The blood of Jesus doesn't just cover it. It cleanses it. It's gone. It's gone. So Paul is telling us that we are not to sorrow as others who have no hope because we have a hope. Amen. A Christian is not like the rest of the world. We have hope. The, 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 there's no hope offered in the world. Amen. Those in the world have no peace. They have no joy, but we do. We do. Their only happiness in the world, the only happiness they have is, is in people, places, things. So if any of those things vary, their happiness is affected. For us, our joy and our peace, it stems from the presence of God. It stems from the nature of God, the life of God, and that never varies. That means when circumstances vary, the flow offered us doesn't vary because our joy is in Him. Amen. Amen. Our great joy is the Lord Himself. The Lord is the strength of my life. Amen. He is our portion forever. Amen. So no matter who may enter or exit our life, no matter what things change around us, our joy is to remain the same. For Jesus is the source of our great joy. And it's not that circumstances are joyful. Not all circumstances are joyful, but the flow in us is. Amen. He's unchanging. I said he's unchanging. Um, go with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to start in verse 6. You have to know this, to realize that Jesus is the source or the fountain of all joy takes a spiritual mindset. The right mindset matters. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, Paul is writing to us and he says, for to be carnally minded, look at this, it's death. It's death. 
but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. At a time of testing and trial, it does matter what your mind is on. (laughs) Because it it matters what you allow yourself to think on because one mindset is life and peace. The other mindset is death. Uh, Getting under a flow of grief and sorrow is not going to bring life. It's going to bring the flow of the world, which is the flow of death. And so it does matter what we let our minds focus on. We, you know, we need to, we need to practice every day recognizing what are we, what are we letting our minds stay on? What are we holding our attention Mm -hmm. on? Because if we're not mindful during every day, we're probably not going to be real skillful at it when a test shows up. Amen. If we're going to have a mind, a carnal mindset, allowing ourselves to think and respond and act like the rest of the world, Mm -hmm. it will work the flow of the world Mm -hmm. in us, although that flow doesn't belong to us. It'll work that death flow in us. The carnal mind yields to fear, which will destroy faith. It's death to our faith. Um, grief, sorrow, and depression are all flows of death that Jesus has redeemed us from. Amen. So we must not allow what he forbid. What cost him everything? We don't play with it. I said we don't play with it. If Christians have a carnal, natural, worldly mindset, that means that they just respond like the rest of the world. They take the, 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 the mindset of the rest of the world. Uh, that carnal mindset will open the door to the devil. Amen. It'll open the door to the flow that he produces. But we're, spirit, we're to be spiritually minded. So to be spiritual involves your mind. It doesn't just involve your spirit. It involves your mind. What we allow our mind to entertain, what we allow our mind to touch on. And uh, we're to be spiritually minded because that will anchor us in a flow of life and peace. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. We don't want to just visit that flow. We want to abide, live in that flow. Amen. To be spiritually minded, we have to think the thoughts of the word. We have to take what God says and make that our thought life. Amen. To have our attention on what he says when other things are clawing for our attention, trying to bring great pressure to get our mind on something else. We're to refuse to take our views and our cues from the world. (laughs) We take them from the word. Amen. Um, And I've said this before. Do not let your emotions lead your life. Our emotions color our life, but they are not to lead us. They are not a safe guide. They are a fluctuating guide and they're not equipped to lead us. Amen. So to be spiritually minded is to stay in the arena of peace, stay in the arena of joy and stay out of that mental, emotional arena. Amen. Emotions are part of the soulish realm of man. And man, we are a spirit. We have a soul which makes up our mind our will and our emotions, and we live in a body. Only one of those. Now, see, none of it's not wrong to have those, but it's wrong to let the wrong one lead. Yes. We are a spirit. We are not a body. We are a spirit. We, we have a soul, and we live in a body. 
Um, I would dare every one of us either living in a house, an apartment, we live in some kind of residence. Have you ever gotten up and let the go to the house, wake up to and talk to the house, say, I want you to leave me today? <laughs> what? Yeah. A house is only to live in, it's not to lead you. Wow. The body is only to live in, it's yeah. not to lead you. More than, it, no more than it makes sense to ask your house to lead you in your decisions. You don't ask the, the house of the body to lead you. It'll want to, but if it does, it'll lead you in the wrong direction. A renewed mind won't let it. Well, even so, the soulish is not to lead us. The emotions, the, the feelings of men, uh, we're, we're to let our spirit take the lead. Our spirit is the only one qualified to lead because that's where God abides. The Holy Ghost is in our spirit. He's not in our mind. He's not in our body. Yet, uh, Him in our spirit affects our mind, affects our body. Amen. So those who yield to the, the soulish arena to lead them, the physical arena to lead them, will live unsteady and unstable lives. And uh, there's risk connected to that. And uh, that there will be this rise and fall, rise and fall. But for the believer, uh, we're just like this. The circumstances of life aren't like this. Circumstances like this. But in those circumstances, we're just steady, stable, fixed on the word. Amen. So we have to make sure we don't lean on our emotions. They can't support us. They can't support us. We can't lean on our feelings. We'll feel them, but we direct them. We're not trying to not feel something. We're not trying to not have emotions because God gave us our emotions, but as I said, not to lead us. Um, instead of drawing into, being drawn into the soulish arena, I mean, because that's where the devil, he can dominate. We have to make sure we, we set our direction this way. One of the best ways that we set ourselves toward our spirit is praising God. Yes. Do a spiritual act. Yes. If we take spiritual acts, it leads us to our spirit. What about confessing the word? It's a spiritual act. We meditate on the word. It's a spiritual act. We feed on the word. It's a spiritual act. So all the, what about praying in other tongues, speaking in other tongues? All of these things will help hold us in the flow of our spirit dominating us and they assist us in our spirits taking the lead. Now, go with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. It tells us how to enjoy the flow of life that belongs to us, is in Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4, verse 20, it reads, My son, attend to. And I always say this, put your attention on. That's what it means. Put your attention on my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. We want to stay in the life flow. Remember, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we want to stay in the life flow. This verse is telling us what's going to be involved in that life flow. It's going to affect, uh, it's going to affect our attention. It's going to affect our ears. It's going to affect our eyes. It's going to involve our hearts. Amen. Notice this, uh, the flow of the world fights for our attention. 
But God already told us what to do with our attention. My son, attend. Put your attention on my words. Yes. That's one of the first things you're going to have to make sure you're doing in the time of emergency, in the time of crisis. What does the word say? Put your attention there. What does the word say? Because I guarantee you circumstances want your attention. Uh, the second thing is, it says, incline thine ear unto my sayings. This word incline, it's a turning. Turn your ear to what he says. Why? Because he has something to say to you at a time of emergency. He will talk to you. The words in you, the word of God in you will talk to you. Amen. Turn your ear. The spirit that abides within will say something to you. Turn your ear that way. Look at this. Incline thine ear. Notice there's other things that can be heard. There's other things that are going to be heard, but you're going to on purpose turn your ear to what he says. You're going to hear what other people say. You're going to hear what feelings say. You're going to hear what the thoughts of your own reasoning say. But you're going to have to turn your ear and say, I'm listening to what he says. I'm listening. And then it says, uh, this passage says, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep God's words in front of you. Meaning this, you are absorbed with something. You keep your focus there because our eyes are involved into where our attention goes. And then not only this, keep them in the midst of thy heart. Your heart must also, uh, his words have to find their place in our heart. That's when they're going to produce life. Amen. Where your attention goes is where your faith's going to go. If your faith is on the, if your attention's on the wrong thing, your faith is going to be on the wrong thing. Your expectation is going to be on the wrong thing. And, and I, I will say this, at a time of crisis, it's not a half-hearted casual attempt of holding your attention, your eyes, your ears, your heart. You keep it on the right thing. It's that you have to very much do it on purpose. Amen. Uh, you have to give an all-out effort to the Word. All-out effort. Whenever, uh, when people find themselves maybe in a place, uh, I've seen this, um, when our congregation members would, some of them be hospitalized for different things, we would always take them the Word. We'd take, uh, you know, CD player, CDs, We'd tell them, we'd send them things on their device that they could listen to. Why? It matters what you're hearing. It matters what you're focusing on. That you don't get into a flow of grief and sorrow that, if I could say this, pulls you out of the flow of your faith, draws you out of the flow of your faith. You need your faith working at a time of emergency. Keep the word going. That's not the time to be pulling out your, pulling out your phone and playing games. We have to give our attention to the right thing. Where your attention goes, your life goes. Amen. We have to understand that because it's not, it's not a light thing. Um, I, want, uh, I want you to understand we have a race to run. We have a race to run. And to run it right, it's going to involve our attention. It's going to involve our ears, our eyes, and our heart be focused. God has a plan for us to feel, and we're not running this race alone. We're running it in full view of those who love you that are in heaven, yes. right? Yes. They're in the grandstands of heaven cheering you on, cheering us on. And they're interested that we're fulfilling the race that God authored for us. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, I don't know that we'll get through this portion today. 
but um, it's important that we realize we train our attention to be spiritually minded is going to affect us in our race. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Ah, that's talking about your loved ones that are in heaven. That's talking about those. Uh, what about what about Jesus? He's watching you. <laughs> right? He's watching. He's observing. Uh, we're encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses of these men of faith who have gone on before us that sowed seeds into our future. They sowed revelations by the Spirit of God that we're enjoying today. And they're wanting to see, what are you doing with that revelation? Are you living it? Are you walking it out? So we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run, not crawl, not drag ourselves through this life. We're running, up and running. Running with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Notice this, your mind is connected to your race. What we allow ourselves to think on is going to affect us in the running of our race. And uh, many, we, we know this, quitting begins in the mind. No one quit their race until their mind quit, until they quit in their mind. When people get weary and they faint in their minds, they quit in their minds. This verse tells us to do so we, what to do so we don't quit in our mind. Consider him. He, ran through, he went through far more than us. And he did it successfully. And he's the one empowering us, enabling us. Amen. Consider what he did uh, when he was faced with the cross. Well, what does it say in verse 2? says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. There you go. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What does that mean? When he was faced with the cross, he didn't focus on it. For he focused on what was on the other side of the cross. It says here that for the joy that was set before him, there was a joy. What is it? The fulfillment of the plan of God. Um, being raised, seated at the right hand of God bringing many sons to glory. All, all that he did, he, he didn't do any of it for himself. It was all for us. How did he face the cross? He didn't look at it. He looked on the other side of it. He looked on what is the outcome? Where, what is going to be worked? That way, what was immediately in front of him didn't stop him because he wasn't focused on it. Don't focus on what's in front of you. Focus on what's on the other side of it. That's what right thinking does. When my husband went home to be with the Lord, if I would have just focused on that event, focused on that he's not here, I can't fulfill skillfully what's on the other side of that event. So that you don't quit in your mind. Don't be deceived. 
and detoured by what is facing you. Look on the other side of it. The devil is masterful at putting up smoke screens. He wants to throw in front of your view the hardships, obstacles, opposition. Why does he do that? Because he knows on on the other side of that is fulfillment. He knows that there's anointing, revelation, fruit bearing. There's all uh, going further with God. All of these wonderful things that are, are, are on the course of our race. So he throws up these obstacles. Well, you have to realize when something tragic, when something happens in your life, it's nothing but an obstacle to get past, to yes. keep on going. Yes. Don't, do not ever let an obstacle stop you and that be your stopping place. Yes. How many in the world do that? How, what, um, how do you get past that? You've you got to be spiritually minded. Yes. You've got to recognize it's not just what I see. It's not just what I see right here in front of me. That is my focus. There's a race I'm running. Yes. <laughs> and I'm getting on the other side of this. Amen. 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 When we realize that, we don't quit in our minds. We stay spiritually minded, not carnally minded. Carnally minded, all carnally mindedness is, is it focuses right here. What, what's seen? Just right here. Oh, I see this obstacle. I see this financial problem. I see this physical problem. I see this marital problem, this business problem. And they're absorbed and focused with that. Spiritual mindedness looks through it. It treats the obstacle as though it's invisible. It looks clear through it. And that's what it said. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Meaning we have to do it the way he did it. He looked clear on the other side of it. The the cross was not his focal point. His focus was on the reward. The reward. Amen. Well, uh, we've been teaching out of our book, Victory Over Grief and Sorrow. We want you to get hold of a copy of it. It'll be a blessing to you. Um, It'll help us to face uh, opposition skillfully and be a skillful doer of the word. You can go to our website at defrainministries.org and you can order your copy today and we'll get that to you. But also... Um, The reason we're able to come to you is because of the generosity of Kenneth Copeland Ministries. They sow this airtime to our ministry, just like they do to all the programmers that are on this network. And um, it is such a generous seed that they sow to us. And um, I would dare to say that what you receive on this network is life-changing because you can't hear the word and something not be something be changed in your life. And so we invite you, if you're not already, pray about becoming a partner today with Kenneth Copeland Ministries because that keeps programs like this coming into your home. And uh, pray about it. And if you realize, hey, I need to become a partner, go to kcm.org and you can sign up there. But until next time, remember this, Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org. In the book, Victory Over Grief and Sorrow, Nancy Dufresne shares from firsthand experience how even death is no match for the mighty force of peace that is available to every believer. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. God offers you His thoughts. Take them. 
this life-changing book by Nancy Dufresne, A Sound, Disciplined Mind, will instruct you on how to do that. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. If you would like to share a testimony or let us know how this ministry has blessed you, we would love to hear from you. Please visit our website at DufresneMinistries.org. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.